Hello and welcome to Ferris Forward. I'm your host, Dave Eisler. Today we're joined by a good friend and a colleague, someone I've worked with for years uh, in the legislature, now with the MEDC as their senior advisor for Technology U, Ed Clemente. Good print, but I'm going to call you Dave. Dave would be great, Ed. And so you know, we we go back a ways. I, I remember working with you when you were a representative of Paris alum. Yeah, I think uh, back then there was only like three of us in the legislature because I remember you do the circuit coming to meet us, you know, and you were your own lobbyist then, right? I still am. Still am. That's right. Yeah, it's a good it's a good a uh, it was great to see a president come themselves. And I know how much that really sort of is reflective of the whole sort of Ferris Institute was called Ferris Institute way back. But I mean, it was just the idea of how it's kind of more of a maker college. Right. So when I went there, the, there was probably more two year degrees than four year degrees. I'm guessing. I don't know what it's like now. <laughs> and so. And talk a little bit about the work you do right now for the MEDC. Well, primarily, uh, as my term was coming up, the governor and I talked about where I could land. She wanted me to stay in the administration somewhat. So we kind of came up with the idea of like future tech and things like that, that I've worked on a lot in my, when you knew me in the legislature, I had a committee called the New Economy and Quality of Life, and she was very familiar with it. And we did a lot of the cutting edge bills then for like green technology, batteries, solar, um, you know. So we talked about creating this podcast as actually more of a uh, an amplifier or megaphone for the people's voices of Michigan who are doing all this stuff. Because at that point, this was the peak of COVID. And I think a lot of people you know, we're so kind of sad almost, you know, the way the things were going back then. So we wanted to show side of a, a positive side of how Michigan was turning around through people like yourself and small business, large business, everyone. So we, that's kind of what we did is we, rather than us tell the story, we let the guests tell the story. And so you, I think, is this the second season for your podcast? Yeah. It, <laughs> I was always worried we'd make it one season. So we did. Uh, so, um, we after we did 52 episodes then we called that a first season and then uh i don't know what i'm on now but i think i'm close to like i think i'm close to 80 interviews now because um we just did 10 of them at mackinac policy conference wow. but they were jammed together so and so if people would like to access your podcast how do they find it well the easiest way is just to go to the michigan opportunity and it's an MEDC site, and it, we have our own landing page there. And it's pretty easy. It's usually what pulls up first. It's either them or someone will do a paid ad, like through, because uh, it's also on sites like Spotify and Apple. You can also get it through there. But um, if you're looking for it real quick without having to download the app, you can go right to the site off the MEDC's uh, page. And so, Ed, I know you're a Ferris alumnus. and. Uh, tell our listeners a little bit about your Ferris story. How did how did you come to Ferris? You know, it's kind of interesting. I um, I really never thought I was going to go to college. First of all, and I had actually signed up with the Marines when I was seventeen. And back then, 
you know, uh, your parents had a cosign and they would not let me go. And we had a family restaurant. They were kind of wanted me to work there. Said you go one year and I chose Ferris because, you know, it's so weird today. Kids are so much smarter about picking where they go to school. For me, I knew a couple guys that lived in my hometown, Lincoln Park, who went to Ferris and uh, they kind of said, you should come to Ferris. And I know I didn't want to go to a community college. I know I kind of, if I was going to take a risk for higher education, I wanted to go somewhere where I was immersed in it somewhat too. And Ferris at that time was so hard to get to. And it just made sense. And then plus I wanted to try to walk on to make the football team. And uh, otherwise I didn't know many people here. It was not a traditional story for college. I'll tell you that. <laughs> and any other, when you think about being at Ferris, there, are there other other memories that, that come to mind, things that, that stand out for you about your experience at Ferris? Well, you know, it's kind of funny. It's because there was no internet back then and there wasn't a lot of opportunities to figure out. Basically, you probably remember the test. There were either ASVAB or there was like three or four tests you could take in high school that told you what you should be. And um, mine really didn't point to college. So I knew when I came here, I wasn't sure how it would be. And I think Ferris, like a lot of people who start out in college at 18, 17, it was really more of a compass heading for me. I, this is my looking backwards. It's not necessarily a memory, but I think it really helped me collect my thoughts. My grade point went up really fast. You know, I started doing way better. I told you I played, I was a walk-on for the football team. So I got to play football at least two years there. And I think, and I think you and I mentioned this on the podcast when you're on mine is, you know, guys like Nick Coso and Judd Folsky, you know, Judd, especially because he was a really close coach and he really focused on sort of almost like a moral code too, for us back then. And he was just a good sort of central figure for a young guy that didn't know what he was doing kind of. <laughs> so. Oh, that's lots of memories there. And, you know, I do remember your committee from the legislature, and I remember remember you as a representative that was always available to meet meet with me. What was your pathway to becoming an elected official in, in Lansing? Well, my degree from Ferris was actually in public administration. So almost right away, right out of Ferris, I got a job working in the Senate for a uh, state senator from my area, downriver Detroit. And they got me in and I just started working right away in the legislature. So I sort of fell in love with it. And actually it was a, a day trip we took from Ferris. Like we had a public administration club and we took a day trip to Hunter the Capitol. And that's what made me start throwing my resumes, you know, at the Capitol. Oh, I'd like to work here. It's a pretty neat place. And that sort of put me on the path. My degree did. And the exposure, I think that was like a day trip. And, uh, and I think my family, I should, give them more family, my credit, because they, they were really a uh, civic minded group. We were immigrants. And so for them, even though we had this Italian restaurant for us, it was more about giving back to the community. We sponsored baseball teams. We uh, did a lot for the parades. We would, uh, you know, deliver pizzas to sick people. You know, I did all that stuff as a kid growing up. So I think we're always sort of civic minded as a family and I just felt like, you know, we were lucky to be in this country. And so I wanted to give back to the country somewhat. And so how, how long were you a representative? 
six years. So you, there's term limits. So three yeah. terms I ran, that would have been 2004 through 2010 when it ended. That, that was my recollection. So the, the memories of being a, a, a state representative, uh, what, what stands out from that experience? Well, it's interesting. Um, even at the end of six years, I thought it was the most humbling job I've ever had because so many people count on you. There's a, there's a scene in, uh, I can't remember a Jim Carrey movie, but where he's plays God and he's got to answer like 10,000 emails a day from people asking for requests. Right. That's kind of like it is a state rep. You're constantly being asked, but it's by the people that really need the help. I mean, obviously there's lobbyists. Uh, I think the, best thing I remember doing was beyond helping people cut through tape for, you know, Medicaid or for, you know, unemployment or whatever. But I remember once, I think it was right around the time, actually a lot of National Guard guys were killed over there too, if you remember, Kuwait at that time. And so, you know, everybody's pretty apprehensive. They're in Wisconsin and we were, they asked me to help them get them come back because they got a three-day extension. So we were able with one of the local TV stations, raise money for them to get a chartered bus to drive them back for three days and then drive them, you know, back to Wisconsin for their, when they had to do their hitch. And I mean, in a weird way, my staff really, uh, they really helped make that happen. But it was something at that point that was like such a big issue with the Iraq war, or Iraq war. And then, um, so it was just, just a different time. I do remember that because there were, a significant number of affairs students who were members of the Guard and they were being called to active duty. And we actually went through a series of evolution. And uh, ultimately, what we decided is that anyone who was called to active duty or returning from active duty, we give them a $1,000 scholarship for as long as they're at Ferris. Uh, you, you're a community college trustee, aren't you? I was. I was for 16 years, actually. I got elected to that when I was uh, community colleges. I, I don't know if it's the same for everywhere, but they're elected. I mm -hmm. think I think they still are across the whole state. So my area was uh, Downriver, which is like South Side Detroit and Southwest Detroit, and so I had a big chunk of Detroit. And um, I ran not long after I left working. And education's always been a big interest to me. And I think I mentioned to you one of the emails I used to teach. Um, sort of adjunct for Northwood University. I've also taught a couple of classes for Wayne County Community College District is the one where I was a trustee for. But, you know, Wayne County Community College has probably got the toughest job of any community college in the country, I think almost, because it is very tough populations that have been underserved for like 50 years, right? Have role models in their family that maybe even graduated from high school. So it was a big deal to you know, to help people get that two-year degree right away or just to even go back to school. A lot of the stuff was remedial. You know, we had to, had to pick up a lot of the slack where, you know, maybe they didn't get enough education at that time in K through 12 or whatever. So that was a real tough job, actually, at that time. Well, it's a big district. It has many buildings and it teaches thousands and thousands of students, uh, students who are at risk. Uh, very important, good We've we've worked well with him and Chancellor Ivory there over the years. So Dr. Uh, Ivory's a good friend. I was on the search team that brought him in, actually. Really? Well, that's, that was yeah, a, that's how long I was there at the college. So I was uh he was like at that time, I think we went through like four presidents in like 
five years or something. So I was sort of a group that was sort of reforming the college at that point. And so I was on two or three different searches. The other guys lasted only a year. It was, it was pretty tough back. Like I said, it was a, uh, probably one of the most challenging public jobs I've ever had. Well, it is, and it's helping many, many students, but interesting background. And you also have a fair amount of experience with the Chamber of Commerce also, don't you? Yeah, well, it's funny. I, uh, I, my plan was not to live back in Detroit or run the family business or anything, but you know, life has a way of changing any plans you might have. And, um, my mom and dad started getting older and they, they had me when they were pretty old. So I had to come back home and help take care of them and take care of the house. So I was also working at the restaurant and then some guy I know asked me to come do selling memberships for a chamber. And so I started, I was, I'm not kidding. This is not a lie, Dave. I had, I think, nine or 10 W-2s two years in a row for all the jobs I was doing just to make ends meet. You know, I was financially pretty tough shape. And um, but I was working everywhere. And then the chamber gig eventually I worked my way up the ladder and eventually became the president there. But I was there about the same time I was a trustee for the college. In fact, I was the president when I became a state rep, so I had to resign that job, and I had to resign the job at the college at the same time. The White House Conference on Small business, small Businesses, what was that? Well, I think uh, I give all, a lot of my uh, credit, too, to uh, Congressman John Dingo, who was a good friend. And when I worked at the chamber, he would often call me up, actually from the House floor, like on votes sometimes about bills that might affect small business. So I was working at the chamber, but he knew me when I worked for Senator DeSena before too. And he always, I, I, I'm sure I wasn't the only voice he listened to. I think he liked that my family owned a small business. I was working at a chamber. I saw how they'd be struggling. And he just wanted someone that could kind of like sort of be an algorithm, sort of, even though they really weren't talked about much then, but to kind of say, this is probably better for them or this might be worse for them. and. I just appreciated that he would call me and he was a great, I think of all the public officials I've ever worked with in my life. He was by far the closest thing to a statesman, but uh, that is because of him. I got appointed to that position. And so that was during the Clinton administration, right? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And um, you know, and it's, you know, it was just an interesting time. And uh, I mean, I tell you the one thing I probably, I don't know if you did see it, but I also qualified for a, uh, you know, the Taubman Foundation. I don't know if you know him, but I do. qualified for the John F. Kennedy School of Government at Harvard. So I had a summer fellowship there uh, from I was serving on SEMCOG's board, which is an economic. I was chair of the Economic Development Committee back then. But that was a big turning point for me, too. And learning you really learn why that institution is where it's at. <laughs> it's kind of it was a very interesting dynamic, not what you expect in the way of faculty and all that thing. Man, you have such an interesting career. You know, Ferris alum, elected official, community college trustee, chamber of commerce, White House, White House board. Uh, now with the MEDC, when when you look back over your career and think about where you started, what are your reflections? Well, you know, it's funny. Um, there's a movie out called Slumdog Millionaire. Probably I don't know if you've seen it, but it's about all these experiences that took place in somebody's life that you never thought would be related, like an invisible thread. And he was able to answer all these questions in a game show. 
and I feel like what I do here at the MEDC, just about every chapter in my life, I've been able to interview somebody like yourself is a good example, but also I've interviewed chamber people. I've interviewed community college people, Bill Pink. I've actually interviewed, you know, for Grand Rapids community college, the incoming president affairs. And I can talk to a lot of people. I'm, I'm kind of like a generalist. So I don't really, I would never say I'm a specialist, but I know enough to at least break the surface with most people in a conversation. And that pays off for the podcast as well as helping out a lot of other people too. I mean, I still do a lot of that. Well, when I, when I think about, about our conversations, the piece comes through, you're a public servant. You're a person who's devoted their lives to helping others, a person who's actively involved in politics, involved in, in government, involved in communities. Uh, and now you're involved with helping to shape the future of Michigan through your Michigan Opportunity Podcast. Yeah, and it's really nice. And I'm going to, even though you give me the one minute sign, I'm going to challenge you a little bit. And also we should mention how we work together on the Kendall thing. I uh, I just don't think we should go by without a lot of your well, people. Well, that listen. is that is a that is a great story, and uh, the I'll I'll start it, and you can bring you can bring this home if you would. Uh, so, in two thousand eight two thousand and nine, Ferris State University had the opportunity with its Kendall College of Art and Design to receive the 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 former federal building the courthouse, which was which was then the Grand Rapids Art Museum. And the good news was that there was no cost to taking the meeting because the, the facility, because it was a public public building. The bad news was it was in very bad shape. And so we did a public-private partnership. And part of the theory behind that was that we were gonna go for an enhanced tax credit. And so, and this is where you come in. Well, you know, and actually I did, it's the way a lot of log rolling goes in Lansing. I was originally doing a bill along with Senator Jason Allen, who I presume you know pretty well too, good friend. And him and I, because he's a Republican, I was a Democrat, we got a lot of bills through under the Granholm administration, but we were working on a package bills for the College of Creative Studies at that point. And I knew we were going to have some challenges getting it through the Senate at that point, which was Republican. And then I talked to your, you, Manny Lantini. Yes. Yeah, Manny, him and he would come to my office quite a bit, but I'd work with him on some other things too. But he mentioned this Ferris deal. And I said, you know, I'm trying to do this deal for CCS. Is there a way we can sort of roll them together? And I think, you know, he might've had the idea, but either way, it was a lot of people probably made it go through, but I think it was a real East-West thing, like something that was helping out the West side of the state is also helping out the East side of the state. And it made it very palatable for everybody to support it. And that was really because of you guys doing a lot of the work. I, I just helped get you through a committee and on the floor, I shepherded it there. And to give the size of this, I suspected that tax credit was probably $10 million and it made made the project possible. So, you know, and I know you haven't been through the building yet. And so I'm going to, I'm going to invite you over the air uh, to come and go through the, the, what is now the Woodbridge and Ferris building in, in Grand Rapids and to see what you helped create because it truly is remarkable. Yeah, let's do it. Is send me an invite and then I'll force myself to figure out how to jam it in. But I'm ready to do it. I feel bad I haven't done it, and I promised you a while back. We'll, we'll enjoy doing that now. And I want to thank you for for joining me on the podcast today. Uh, 
you know, you have such a wonderful career. We're, we're so proud of you as a Ferris alumnus. And uh, you know, again, I want to remind folks that Michigan Opportunity is your podcast. But Ed, thanks for joining me on Ferris Forward today. Thank you, Dave. And you've done a great job there for the last two decades. And Ferris is going to miss you. I know Bill Pink will do a good job, but he's got big shoes to fill. Uh, Bill's going to be great. And I've, I've certainly enjoyed the opportunity to be at Ferris. Uh, thanks for joining us today. You've been listening to Ferris Ford. Invite you to join us again on our next broadcast. Thanks so much for being here today. Yeah.